Turn with me in the scriptures, please, to verses we've been looking at for some weeks now. Matthew 8 and Luke 7. Matthew 8 and Luke 7. For a few weeks now, we've been on this uh, subject we're calling the greatest faith. The greatest faith. And we see two examples of this in the scriptures with the centurion in uh, Matthew 8 and Luke 7, and then also with the Syrophoenician woman. Let's look further at the centurion today. Matthew 8, verse 5. Matthew 8, verse 5. When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came to him a centurion beseeching him. Let's just keep reading right on through this. And saying, Lord, my servant lies at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Thank you, Lord. It's always the Lord's will. Always. For people to be healed. Don't let anybody tell you anything different now. It's always his will. And it went on to say, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this man, go, he goes, to another come and he comes, to my servant do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. And he said to them that followed, verily I say to you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. I say to you, many will come from the east, the west, sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, and as you have believed, so be it done to you. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Why is this in the Bible? What are we supposed to get from this? Does it have any application to us? Yeah, the Word of God is alive. He's no respecter of persons, and He never changes. Is it possible for us to have faith like this? It is. That's why we're given this account, to see what happened here. Go with me over to Mark, the seventh chapter. Let's read Mark, excuse me, Luke, Luke. Luke 7, Luke's account, verse 1. When he had ended all the sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. Now let's just stop right here. Uh, We have four accounts of the gospel. Not four gospels. One gospel, but four different people inspired by the Holy Spirit to give an account of their time with Jesus. And these are all, um, well, Luke and Matthew and John are eyewitnesses. And uh, it says a certain centurion servant, Luke says, adds was dear to him. Now Matthew didn't say that. Which one's right? Just because you add a detail doesn't mean it's contradicting that. Luke, it'd just be like, you know, talking to somebody that witnessed something 
and they didn't talk to each other yet, and you just talk to them, and then you talk to the other one, well, they're going to give you some different detail. This one may not talk about this, and may talk about something else. And really, you have to put these together to get the whole thing. So just because you read it in Matthew doesn't mean you're done. You need to read it in Luke too. So he was dear to him. He was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent to him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. Now wait up, wait up. I thought Matthew said the centurion went. Did I lose y'all or not? Okay, go back to Matthew 8. Hold your place here in Luke. Matthew 8, verse 5. When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came to him a centurion, beseeching him, keep going, and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. That sounds like the centurion went to see Jesus. And the centurion is talking to Jesus. Go back to Luke then. Luke 7. <laughs> Luke 7 and 1. Verse 2. A certain centurion servant was dear to him. Was sick and ready to die. And when he, the centurion, heard of Jesus, he sent to him. Elders of the Jews. They're beseeching Jesus that he would come and heal his, the centurion's, Servant, keep going. And when they came to Jesus and besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. Now, you don't read this in Matthew's account. Keep going. For these are elders of the Jews who came to speak to Jesus on behalf of the centurion. And they're saying, He loves our nation. I know he's a Roman soldier, he's an officer in the army, but he loves us. He loves the country, and he's built us a synagogue. Glory to God. Verse 6, then Jesus went with them, them. And when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him. See, you don't see that in Matthew either. So, He sent two different groups of people to Jesus. But we don't know that he ever spoke to him face to face. And yet Matthew says he did. (laughs) He sent friends to him saying, Lord, trouble not yourself, for I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Verse 7. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come to you. In other words, that's why I sent them. That's why I sent them. But say in the word, and my servant shall be healed. For I'm a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. So now, we've seen this repeatedly. What is the recurring theme of these accounts? Faith and authority. Faith and an understanding of authority. Let me give you a little clue to, to understanding this. This authority is delegated. All of this authority is delegated authority. And so what was the centurion doing in sending people to Jesus? 
He delegated. Right? And this is something he, this is his life. His authority is delegated to him from Rome all the way up to the Caesar. And all the generals that are under him and officers that are under him. He didn't create his own authority. He doesn't represent himself. Did you hear that? He doesn't represent himself as a centurion. He represents Rome all the way to the Caesar. And he should not do his own thing in the name of Rome. And then he says, I have delegated authority to people under me. And I say to a soldier, go, and he goes. And I say to another one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this. Other translations say, do this right now. (laughs) And he does it right now. But again, this servant or this soldier, would they be doing this of their self? No, he sent them. So who are they representing? And here's the question. If he sent a servant, go downtown to the flower shop and get me 25 pounds of flour and and whatever else, you know, supplies for the house. And so he goes down and he says, I come in the name of the centurion. He sent me. Right? Need 25 pounds or whatever it was, a flower and this and that and the other. Is that the same as the centurion telling the merchandiser? He just did it through a spokesperson who was authorized to do it and sent to do it. Now what if the servant, when he gets there, says he'd tack on a bunch of other stuff? <laughs> and just add on a bunch of things. Well, he may not get to be servant much longer. That's right. right? That's being unfaithful. Unfaithful. I've heard people look at passages like this and say, look, look at the glaring errors in this. One says the centurion went and talked to Jesus. The other one says he sent elders. Now listen, this is either the word of God or it's not. If it's the inspired word of God, there are no errors. If it's full of errors, it's the work of men. And it's not the word of God. You shouldn't be spending all this time reading it. And I shouldn't be preaching on it. We could just do away with all this church stuff. Now, not every translation is free of error. But when God inspired it and spoke it through the ones that he did and inspired those to pen it firsthand, the firsthand one, that's the word of God. It is inspired. It is God breathed. And when you think you found an error, All you found is something you don't understand. (laughs) And show some humility. Don't try to elevate uh, your your little, you know, we talk about 
the most brilliant among us are childlike compared to him. When he says, my little children, that's not a figure of speech. We really are. He's been in existence. We have no clue, no idea. If you've been alive a hundred years, that's nothing. To him, a thousand years is like a day. And so in my little short time of walking with him and studying the word, there's been thing after thing I didn't understand. And this didn't look like it agreed with this. But sometimes a year later, I saw it. Oh, sometimes 20 years later, I thought, oh, that's what that means. Well, there, that's what he said. So there's nothing wrong with his word. There was something wrong with my looking and my seeing and my understanding. You can trust the word of God completely. There are no errors, no contradictions, and the prophecies are astounding. How that God described things to a T thousands of years before they happened. How can you do that? How can you do that? This book is full of it. Full of it. A lot of it's already happened. A lot of it's still yet to happen. You can trust this word completely. So why would the Spirit of God inspire Matthew to say it the way he did and Luke to say it the way he did? Which one's right? Now I just spent minutes talking about, about this. Help me out. Which, which one's right? <laughs> they have to both be right or it's not the Word of God. They're both right. Why would you say it that way? Because we need revelation of what delegation is. I said we need revelation about delegation. Do you remember when Saul, who later became Paul, met Jesus on the road to Damascus? What did Jesus say to him? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my Christians? Uh -uh. Why are you persecuting me? He says it in the first person here. Why are you doing this to me? And and Saul's response is, who are you? (laughs) Lord. (laughs) Because whoever you are, I figure you must be Lord. Right? (laughs) Who are you? He thought, and and you know, the Lord said this uh, about things that you do for people. He said, inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it for me. He takes it personally. And he says it, you know, he he didn't stop and say, you know, I I take it personally. He says it as though you literally did it personally for him. You did it to me. Not like you did it for me. You did it to me. Now, in John 14, turn over there, please. John 14, verse 8, John 14, 8. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. Jesus said to him, have I been so long time with you, and you've not known me? Philip, 
So what was Philip thinking at this point? Huh? I'm talking about the father. <laughs> he said, Philip, you've been all this time with me and you don't know me? Yes, Lord, I know you. I want to know more about the father. <laughs> he said, uh, he that has seen me has seen the father. And how sayest thou, show us the father. Now that doesn't mean Jesus is the father. Some people try to say that, but there are numerous other scriptures that contradict that. No. But Jesus, without going into all the detail, he said he only spoke what he heard the father say. He only did what he saw the father do. So when you're seeing him do it, you're seeing the father. When you're hearing him say it, you're hearing the father. And so he's saying, you, you've been, Philip, you've been looking at the father. You've been hearing the father all these days, day in, day out. Have I been so long time with you that you've not known me? He that's seen me has seen the father. Then, then why you say, show us the father. Philip's probably still scratching his head at that point. <laughs> Verse 10, believest thou not that I am in the father? And the Father's in me, the words I speak to you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. Believe me that I'm in the Father, and the Father in me, or believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, now, now verse 12, he switches to talking about us. He that believes on me, is that you? How many would say, I believe on him, I believe on him? Come on, don't miss out on this. How many would say, I believe on Jesus? Well, this verse is for you. Jesus said, the works that I do, shall he do also. Is that you? Is that me? And greater works than these shall you do. Because I'm, I'm leaving here. I'm going to the Father. And whatever you shall ask in my name, in my name, in my name. In my name. What is that? That's delegated authority. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now in the 16th chapter of John, he's specifically talking about prayer. Praying to the Father. Whatever you ask the Father in my name. But here, this covers other things. The word ask has also been translated require. We not only ask things of the Father in the name of Jesus, but we're also to walk in authority, requiring things, speaking to mountains, speaking to the activity of the enemy. That's not prayer. But whatever we do along this line, somebody say, in his name. Say it again, in his name. He said, I'll do it. I'll do it that the Father may be glorified in my name. And he said it again. Make sure we got it. If you ask, or it's also translated demand, require anything in my name, I will do it. Whew. Now, now put it all together. Philip says, show us the Father. That's how we got here. And Jesus says, why do you ask that? You've been looking at the Father. 
You've been hearing the Father. Why did Matthew say the centurion talked to Jesus? When he actually sent elders and friends. Did the centurion talk to Jesus? Yes, he did. Through his representatives. Is Jesus doing anything in the earth today? Yes, he is. Through. Oh. Through his representatives. Hallelujah. He's at the right hand of majesty. On high. Sat down. In the throne of God. But he has sent his spirit. And he has authorized us. And empowered us. To speak in his name. And act on his behalf. And most of the church is not doing it. Not doing it. <laughs> Sorry to rain on your parade. But it's. <laughs> we need to realize it's one thing to shout about it. It's another thing to do it. Go with me to 2 Corinthians, please, the 5th chapter. I believe this is worth taking some time with this morning. Did the centurion talk to Jesus? Yeah, he did. Through his representatives. So Matthew's account is entirely correct. Why would the Holy Spirit do that? Because we need mind renewal. We need to realize how much we have been made one with him. We need revelation to understand we've been authorized to speak on his behalf. Or in the language of this verse, in his stead. Now the devil has fought this so hard. And religious people think that's being too forward and that's not humility and what's been preached in religious circles is that he's everything and we're nothing and that sounds like humility and reverence to people but it's a lie of the enemy it's a lie of the enemy he does not want us to find out what the Lord has given to us And who we are in him. And how much he identifies with us. He that's joined unto the Lord. Is one spirit. We're not quite ready to go to 2 Corinthians. Go Go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. When Jesus went to the cross when he was raised from the dead right before he left right before he ascended on high he said some amazing things uh, in this we get what we call the great commission for the church what is the great commission of the church many have allowed the world unbelievers to tell them what the church should be doing <laughs> that if you're really a church the main thing you do is help people naturally with food, clothes, housing, that kind of thing. That that's the only real work of the church. That is absolutely not true. It's great to do these kind of things, but that's not the Great Commission. That's not the main directive the Lord gave the church. Because the greatest need of man is spiritual. 
And if you gain the whole world and lose your soul, you've lost everything. These other things are good. They're great. We want to do more of it. But it's not the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, are you there? Verse 18. After Jesus is raised from the dead, he came and spoke to them. He said, oh, are you looking at this? <laughs> Woo! This is after Jesus has gone to the heart of the earth. The Father, after three days and nights, the Father spoke from on high and shook hell to its core. And he has raised triumphant over death, hell, the grave, everything. And now, and he did it as a man. He did it as a man. And now he is saying, after all of this, he's saying all power, that's the Greek word for authority. All authority is given to me. Anybody believe this in here? In heaven and in earth. That's it. That covers everything. Beings in heaven, beings on the earth, beings under the earth. Everything in heaven, everything in earth. He said, I have got it. He got it by conquest. He got it by overcoming victory. He got it by bestowment from the Father. All authority. All authority. Man, you ought to say that the rest of the day. All, all authority. Oh, the devil didn't want you to know this. Uh, this is hurting him right now. He, he's like, uh, tough. All authority. Jesus said is given to me. In heaven and in earth. Verse 19. So you go. Huh? Understood subject is you. You go. Go ye. Or therefore. Or we could say it like this. So. Because I have all authority in heaven and earth. So. You go. Teach all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I got all the authority. So now, you go. Go to Mark 16. <laughs> Man, if you can't shout about this, I, I don't know what you could shout about. This is Jesus. Fixing everything Adam messed up. God gave Adam dominion. Not over everything. Over the earth. But Adam lost it. Adam and Eve gave it to the enemy. But Jesus. As a man. Came. And got it back. And now. He's got not only all the authority on the earth, in heaven, he's got it all. I said he's got it all. Do you believe it? Have you read Revelation? Have you seen the glorified master with the big band of gold across his chest? He said, I was alive 
and the dead, but I'm alive forevermore. And I got the keys of death and hell. Does he or does he not? One of these days before too long, there's going to be a blast of a trumpet and the sky is going to part. He's going to come back and everybody's going to see him. King of kings, Lord of lords, Lord of all. And Philippians said, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue. Now, did you hear the word every? Every, every foul mouth, blaspheming, demon, atheist, agnostic. I don't care what religion you were. Ain't going to be any unbelievers in. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. It is written. Smart ones do it now. Do I have any smart ones in here? Come on. Say, I'm a smart one. I'm a, I'm a smart one. Isn't it wonderful to be a smart one? I'm a smart one. Mark 16. Look at Mark's account of this. Mark 16, verse 14. Jesus appeared to the eleven. And upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said to them, what? Go. What's the understood subject? You. You go into all the world, preach, proclaim the good news to every created being. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. He that believes not will be damned or condemned. And these signs will follow them that believe. Tell me the next three words. In my name. name, They will cast out demons or evil spirits. Now how could you do that if you didn't have authority to do it? Well where would you get this authority? He said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. What's the next phrase? So you go. (laughs) And do what? You cast out spirits in my name. Speak with new tongues in my name. Take up serpents, drink any deadly thing. That's not tempting God now. That's kind of like what happened, you know, when Paul was on that island and got snake bit. He just shook it off. Felt no harm. They'll not hurt him. They'll lay hands on the sick. Now this all comes back to in my name. In my name. And what will happen? They'll recover. Why? Because it's not just you going around healing people. Because you can't. But you've been authorized. You've been sent. To do something for him. In his name. When you're saying I come in the name of Jesus. I'm praying in the name of Jesus. This is not some magic incantation. Like hocus pocus. In the name of Jesus. This is revealing I'm his representative. He's authorized me to do this. To speak on his behalf. And act on his behalf. And if you really are doing it on his behalf. And at his sending. He's got all power and authority. In heaven and earth. Right? Oh somebody say glory to God. And so we're still talking about the greatest faith. Because that's what the centurion said. He said, I got delegated authority from above me. And then I delegate authority below me. But this is how they functioned. This is how they operated and lived. 
He went on to say, verse 19, so then after the Lord was spoke, had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God where he is right now. So he's not here personally in the earth, but his body is. He's the head. We are the body. And they went forth and did what he said, preached everywhere, and the Lord did what? Working with and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Why? Because they're doing what he told them to do. So he's backing it up. He's backing it up. They're laying hands on people in his name and they're recovering. They're casting out thing, evil influences and they have to leave in his name. Oh, somebody say in his name. In his name. Now go to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. I think this could be a series of its own. We'll see what the Lord says, but I think this is right for today. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a what? New creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now that's not in your body. Your body didn't become a new creation. It's going to get changed later. That's not even in your intellect. Your intellect didn't become a new creation. The inner man, the hidden man of the heart, became a new creation. Verse 18, And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Keep going. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. So here we see, the Bible says that everything that Jesus did, God did it. And that's saying it accurately. If the Father says, I did it. Yet it was actually Jesus. They went to the cross, but that's accurate because he sent him. God did it. Not imputing their trespasses unto them, and he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, somebody look at your neighbor and say, now then. Now then. <laughs> Drum roll. We are ambassadors for Christ. Oh, oh. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? We have, the U.S. has ambassadors living all over the world in other countries. Let me just, let me throw this in while we're talking about that. They don't live based on that country's economy. I've been to, we've traveled a little bit, and I've been to some countries and places where it was pretty rough living conditions. And I'm thinking of a couple right now, and you drive by this place, and there are these huge walls, and there's this state in there, and there's this fine looking stuff, and there's just poverty all around it. And you think, well, who lives there? The ambassador. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. 
The ambassador. Yeah, why? Because their economy is not the economy of the country they're living in. The Bible said our citizenship is in heaven. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And God supplies all our needs, not according to the economy of this country or this state, or according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Who is an ambassador? What is an ambassador? One who is selected and appointed to represent the country that sent them. And they are authorized to speak on the country's behalf. So, you know, hundreds of millions of people are in, in different cases are being represented, the president himself, by one man or one woman. But they best be saying what represents the ones that sent them. Not just saying a bunch of stuff off the top of their head and saying that's in the name of the U.S. Well, the same thing with us. We're his ambassadors, but we need to be an ambassador like Jesus was. He said, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. Because I only say what he told me to say. I only do what he shows me to do. He is completely representing the Father on every hand. We come full circle on this. The place of awesome authority is the same place of submission. Complete submission to God. Complete obedience to God is the place of full authority and power. Keep reading this. We as ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you, tell me those next two words, by us, we pray you, how? In Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. I saw some years ago a uh, old uh, reel-to-reel film from the, I think it was the 40s, of a man of God who was anointed in the healing ministry. And there was a great crowd there. And there was a, a mother that brought her little child. It was obviously very ill and um, to be prayed for. And the man came and he said, uh, he said, how many of you believe that if Jesus was here right now, that he would touch this child and deliver the child and set the child free. I mean, if you, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, everybody that came to him, they left healed. Not one exception. Everybody that came to Jesus to be delivered or healed, left healed and delivered. No exceptions. We're talking about scores of thousands of people, at least, over those years. He said, if Jesus was here, how many of you believe that he would touch the child? Mm -hmm. Hands went up everywhere. He said, well, he's not here in the flesh, but he sent me. (laughs) And I'm authorized and anointed to speak on his behalf 
And in his stead. And he spoke to the disease. And he spoke to the thing that was wrong with the child. And the power of God manifested right there. Right there. Miraculous. Oh somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. That wasn't him doing that. But it was him acting. On the God given authority. The authority that's been given to the whole body of Christ. Now let me just ask you something quickly. I mean, what if I was the king of America? Not president. The king. The absolute ruler. Now I know some people are wringing their hands going, oh God, don't let that happen. <laughs> hey, be in good shape. The Lord had helped me. I'd need a bunch of bodyguards. Because <laughs> I'd change some stuff. But if I had absolute power. But I'm uh, over in Australia. On vacation. Visiting with some friends. And uh, I call up folks from my office. And I say. You know. Let me just start right here. tell me your name I say JC this is King Keith (laughs) I have all authority all power in America I got it all I want you to go to uh, Pennsylvania and I want you to do this I want this changed and I want this stopped and I want this implemented and you go take care of that for me what if J.C. said, huh, I'm not the king. You're the king. I said, I know I'm the king. But you go. I'm sending you. And what if, what if he started crying and said, I, I'm not the king. I can't do that. You're the king. And I said, well, give the phone to Janice. Janice. I said, Janice, it's King Keith. <laughs> I want you to go. Stop this. And do this. And what if Janice started crying? He said, I'm not the king. You're the king. You're the one who got all the power. I said, I know I do. But I'm not there. And I want this done. And I'm sending you. And what if I went through my whole staff. And everybody cried. And said, I'm not the king. Even though I have the authority and power. I'm not able to accomplish what I want. Because none of my representatives will act on my behalf. And that's a lot of what we've got in the earth. Because people have been taught, well, gee, yeah, Jesus has that, but not you. You're, you know, you're just nothing. You're, you just need to be glad that maybe you're saved. But no, do you remember? In Luke, without going there, Luke 9 and then also Luke chapter 10, Jesus appointed the 12 and authorized them and sent them out to heal and to cast out evil spirits. Then in chapter 10, he appointed another 70. So now we've got 82 that he has appointed and sent. And finally, after that, at the end of chapter 10, that 70 came back and they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us through your name. Oh, come on, can you see this? Through your name. So you've got scores of people doing what Jesus was doing. Because he authorized them and sent them. 
And here's the amazing thing. When you come in his name, saying and doing what he told you to do, as far as he's concerned, it's the same as him saying it. Which is why Matthew says the centurion said it. (laughs) When actually in Luke it was his representatives. That's why there's no error. And he wanted, he did it on, the Holy Spirit did it on purpose. So me and you start scratching our head going, now why is that like that? (laughs) And he'll say, let me show you. Praise be to God. Stand on your feet, everybody. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Close your eyes and confess this. Say, I I believe in Jesus. I confess Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, my Redeemer. And I receive all He has given to me. I receive the name, the authority. I receive His Spirit and the power. I am His representative in this earth. I am an ambassador of the Anointed One. And I speak speak for him him in this earth. earth. Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.